Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Phil Crafts Survival Podcast here in the studio with Kevin Owens. Hey, Mike. What's going on? You know, we've been talking for like an hour and a half. I know, I know. <laughs> um, hey, we're a sponsored podcast now, TriarchSystems.com. Look, Chris Rees is coming out to the grand opening. By the time you guys hear this, it'll be around the same time. Uh, February 27th, 3 to 6 p.m. Um, that's a Saturday. That's after me and you teach. But Chris Reeves is bringing the crew from Triarch. They'll have some samples that you guys can go through and, and check out their custom pistols, rifles, uh, carbines. Um, you guys can follow Triarch Systems on Instagram at Triarch Systems and also TriarchSystems.com. That's T-R-I-A-R-C systems.com and make sure you use Philcraft one word to save 5% on any build. That's actually a huge discount for these custom builds and they're not hurting like the rest of the industry is hurting. We're also sponsored by Haven Tents, philcraftsurvival.com forward slash Haven Tents. You guys can save 10%. Oh, actually, it's a $20 off bundle for this package that gives you uh, a full tent hammock system with built-in bug net, rain fly, guy lines, and sleeping pad. If you guys come to the Heber City headquarters, you guys can see that up, hung up in our shop. Um, that's Heber City, Utah. That's where our HQ is. Come see Haven Tents. That's philcraftsurvival.com forward slash Haven Tents. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Hardhead Veterans. You guys could use the coupon code Philcraft to save $15 off. Phil Craft to save $15 off at hardheadveterans.com. Again, a hardhead veteran business that makes ballistic helmets, three alpha rated additional up armor options, including 5.56 and 7.62. They have a 10 year warranty, free exchanges and returns, and a multi layer pad system. As veterans, we get what you do, and you won't find a better customer service team coming directly from hardhead veterans at hardheadveterans.com. All right, guys, today we're talking about stories of survival. We kind of pushed this to the front of the line. Uh, me and Kevin Owens have experienced um, multiple stories of survival in our own careers, in our own past, but we wanted to highlight uh, one of the experiences that we shared together in Iraq and also bring attention to the service that uh, dogs provide. Um, mm -hmm. They've been doing this since the beginning of time, since uh, dogs, um, and human beings have connected. They have been saving our asses uh, since the beginning, and we have some good stories to share with you guys. Um, and it's gonna be great. You ready? Yep. Let's go. Kevin Owens. Michael Glover, what's up? S story, SOS Stories of Survival. Mm -hmm. It's time. Okay. Um, so when you talk about stories of survival, one of the um, things that we launched this year is a requirement of giving shared experience, historical shared experiences that are going to benefit people's lives and preparedness. And we flushed out a whole bunch of ideas, including the Shackleton Expedition, which is available right now for download, um, as well as other mm -hmm. historically noted events where people survived and people died. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we had talked about is this story of survival relating to our experiences in war. And we have a shared experience um, on an objective that we served in uh, Iraq in 2007. Yep. Um, where a, a dog uh, saved multiple people's lives, including my own. And um, we shared that same experience. Mm. It's, now, a, it's, it's not about the gunfight, right? Because yeah. we were in dozens of gunfights on that on that trip alone. 
not to mention like the, the several trips before and the several trips after, but what makes that, uh, that exp- I mean, it was a bad gunfight, but the experience uh, so memorable for both of us is the dog got killed, right? And yeah. it, it was, it was, uh, it was horribly tragic. And, uh, but he did what he was there to do. He saved a lot of lives. So I think one of the things that I learned early on in special operations is that the dog thing was like a classified thing. Yeah. It's thus since been because of the sacrifice, you can't mm-hmm. ignore the amount of casualties of dogs that were killed and injured that save lives. And I think it's become more of an acceptable thing to talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of nuts. I mean, maybe before, but police have been using dogs for a very long time. But in the in the roles in, in special operations, dogs were used in Vietnam um, a little bit, but the multi-purpose canine program, which basically bring it, it trains a dog to be an attack dog and a sniffer dog um, to sniff out explosives and. and Due to the techniques that the enemy were using, especially in Iraq, it became really, really important to get some sort of standoff when you're hitting a house with suicide bombers on it, right? Um, so those dogs gave you that standoff. And then, you know, we, we, we've used them in a lot of different ways. Like sometimes, you, I'm sure you remember this, like we would hit a target and then we'd have to flex to another target where we're going to walk. And then the dog would get up front with the handler and he'd sweep the road in case there was an IED, an improvised explosive on the road. Um so super valuable asset and um yeah yeah like to watch those dogs at work is is just it's super impressive yeah the the thing about the dogs that you just described is they're they they have Mm multi-purposes and uh, a lot of people think automatically they start thinking about the uh, sniffing capability of dogs but Mm -hmm. that's very specific as a training tool but a multi-purpose dog has the ability to bite on command yeah also search on command. Yeah. One of the things that we experienced in war is uh, an enemy that was willing to die for their cause. So they were blowing themselves up, suicide bombings, rigged houses, all kinds of dangerous things. And they they learned from us how to fight us after a while because um, without, you know, talking too much about it, but they knew how we, you know, assaulted houses, how we act. So they, they put in systems in place inside the house to, to counteract us. So we had to keep changing. And that's the way war goes. It goes, one one side does this, the other side counteracts, the other side counteracts. And it's just a constant game of one up in each other until somebody wins. Yeah, I think, I think we learned a lot through war and we learned how important a dog was on the target no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to ever go away, especially in direct action. No. Um, man, invaluable lessons learned from dogs. But a lot of paid the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, a lot of dogs have died yeah. in combat. Yeah. And I've heard stories from Ranger Regiment, from Task Force, from um, the SIF, uh, from all kinds of different special operations units about the sacrifice they made. Let's talk about that particular mission. What, what do you remember about that mission? And again, it, it, it somewhat blends together with dozens and dozens of other missions where we were in as bad a gunfights or maybe worse, but because of that, just that, that particular mission and uh, the dog dying that, and, and nobody else got killed. Um, I remember it was a routine op. I remember we got our op order and it was, you know, hitting those targets at that point, in after multiple trips and and months into that mission, it was very routine. It's, it sounds different now, right? But it was very routine. I, I think it's it's important to look back and remember that in 2007, 
the summer we were losing the war in Iraq and we, we were basically told look the gloves are off we need, we need to bring the fight to the enemy and there was a couple of units that really did that and the surge was in full swing so if you look at if you look at documentaries about the surge it's all about um you know, we, we sent combat arms units into every street in Baghdad. We, we flooded the place with soldiers. We, uh, we gave the enemy nowhere to go. But part of that was pulling intel and going out on kill capture missions every night after the, the heads of, of uh, AQIZ at that time, right? Um, so it was a multifaceted approach that really brought the fight to the enemy. And it was a very, very smart way to execute counterinsurgency. So, but at that time, we, we were, we went into that mission, that, that deployment, which was like five months, I think, and we went into it, you know, on, the, on, on our heels kind of thing. We were losing that war. And then we, we came out of it months later, really, really pushing. We pushed the enemy completely out of Baghdad and up to Mosul, where you guys pursued them the next year when I was working at Sniper School. But I, I think it's important in context that, that the war was not going well and public opinion was turning. So the government had to do something. So they, they brought in some very specialized units to go after these guys. So that was one mission in a slew of missions. I remember we got the op order and we heard that uh, foreign fighter safe house um, not sure how many, and you know, I've heard that many, a bunch of times and, and it, it, it's, it's more often not true than it is true. But that year, if you remember, compared to the year before, our intelligence was bang on every single time we rolled, it was like exactly who we were rolling after. And it, it was versus uh, the year before versus the year before it was hit or miss. Yeah. Right. But because of the, the, the level of tier and, and we were working with and the Intel systems we had in place. It was, it was, I don't ever remember that year being like a wrong target or a dry hole or, you know what I mean? We, we, um, we always got great intel. So um, that's what I remember from that. I remember getting the op order. I remember loading on the helicopters, but very, very normal mission, no different than any other one. And uh, as, we, as we headed to the target and... Uh, that's what I initially remember. What about you? Well, I, I know there's a whole bunch of things that we put place together or piece together uh, in hindsight afterwards, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. like, th- for example, when we conduct operations, there's a whole bunch of service support enabling elements that allow us to do our job, like aircraft overhead that are video recording everything that's mm-hmm. happening on the ground. Um, comms traffic, communications traffic mm-hmm. that's being relayed constantly where if you piece it all together, you go, holy crap, this is a much broader operation than we even realize. Yeah, because if there's, if there's 30 of us on the ground, there's probably 200 people supporting us Yeah, just to get that target done. Yeah, and you only have a very narrow perspective or understanding of what's going on on that particular target. So, I, I mean, I, I do remember all those same things. I remember it being uh, a, a, f- a few guys that were reported, like we always heard, yeah, yeah. but there was a there was a lot, I remember there being a, a bigger buzz of what was going on because we knew the term foreign fighter yeah. mm-hmm. was a term associated with guys who were more than likely trained yeah. and had specialized equipment, mm-hmm. even night vision potentially, and had better tactics on the ground, so it meant a fair fight. And we yeah. were excited about that. And I yeah. remember the guys were like, Finally, yeah. Like, it's you, like you know. when you talk about foreign fighters, you think Chechens, you think yeah. Syrians, you think yep. you know what I mean. Libyans, Libyans, guys who who've been properly trained um, in a foreign country and went in there with with the equipment and the training and the tactics 
to to uh, engage us. What I found out later in serving in Libya for almost a year um, is there's a place called Green, the Green Mountains of Benghazi, and it's a big mountainous range. And I actually saw ISR footage and all kinds of stuff of their training facilities that they had. Mm-hmm. And what I learned in hindsight afterwards was actually in a book about insurgency was that in Iraq, we were fighting, the number one foreign fighter on the battlefield we were fighting was from Saudi Arabia. Mm. Um, they were flooding in from Saudi Arabia. They had, probably had to do with a lot of proximation, but also the network, right? Mm-hmm. They, they had a, a, a financing, they had enabling, they had training, and they had the ease of movement geographically to get into the country. The second and fourth were uh, Libyan. Mm. And and I believe the, the, the second was Darna, Darna, which is a place in Libya, and the, and the fourth was Benghazi, the, the associated foreign fighters. What I remember is those guys were Libyan. And in looking at the pictures of the dead dudes that, mm-hmm. that we killed, um, that we used for sensitive site exploitation, yeah. the uh, they, they were boots. definitely Libyan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They definitely were specialized. They were trained. Mm. They had boots. I even have a watch I took off one of the bad guys. I still have it, uh, which is, which is uh, a prized possession of mine because I respected the the tactical competency that they had mm. and their willingness to fight yeah. versus many terrorists that we had seen prior. Like I remember we did a target in 06. Oh no, no, this was target was in 08. And it was, a. Uh, uh, it was when we had minimal American, uh, packs or people on, mm-hmm. on target, uh, mostly Iraqi. And I made this Iraqi dude cry and he was an Al Qaeda guy. Mm. And I was like, Really? Yeah. Like, dude, you're all kind of in your crying was, like Maybe a he was baby? playing you, man. He was like, doing the yeah. Sears school thing, yeah. man. Yeah. In, in early 07, we were initially, we went after Shia targets. And then you're dealing with Iranian foreign fighters, right? And uh, Soleimani. problem, Yeah. Right? Soleimani was a big part of that whole force, which he. he Don't you, know, you love the. Uh, the the outcry oh, and outrage I know. I of, know. Yeah. of yeah. how could we kill a sovereign I government's know. general? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh my yeah. gosh. That guy has so much blood in his hands. But then we flexed later on and went after Al-Qaeda exclusively. Yeah. And Al-Qaeda are very much more likely to have a suicide vest on them and much less likely in Sadr City going after Shia targets. Yeah, more They're extreme, ca- More fanatical. extreme and more willing to die on targets. So you have to change your, your techniques to, to address that. And initially we didn't want to change, you know, we were like, oh no, no, but it was, it was absolutely the right thing to do. And, um, well, I remember Tom DiTomaso, uh, and I'll just say his name out outright cause it's known in historical reference. He's retired now, but Tom DiTomaso had told us that yeah. the enemy was changing. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know, we're not going to get into TTPs, but yeah, yeah. He, he said, look, look, He's, I remember the briefing. He said, if one of you guys gets killed, it takes millions of dollars and years to replace you. Yeah. And um, they're doing this and they're using this as a tactic. We're going to take that from them and we're going to flex. And it was absolutely the smart thing to do, you know. Yeah. But when you're, you know, you're like, ah, this is BS. And then we hit that target and we're like, ooh. No, we're lucky we didn't. I, re- yeah. I remember loading up on the bird. And I'm not sure where you were on the bird. I was on the bird, on Vinny's bird on the way back. So on Elmfield. I, I, was was I was behind you yeah. in Vinny's bird on, on the, the other way back. Side. So I was probably there on the way in. We generally got in the same birds. Yeah. And uh, with Blackhawks. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to Chinooks, we were in Blackhawks. Yeah. yeah. So we were MH60. And I remember we had a crew of, uh, it was probably four MH60s or two. Probably I two MH60s. Yeah. Uh, we had so many little birds too. Yeah, we had two little birds yeah. on that one, two M's yeah. and then two A's. Okay, yeah. Because um, I remember I talked to the A pilot that killed the five or six dudes that were in the intersection yeah. Yeah. on infill. Uh-huh. So I remember I was on the right side of the bird mm-hmm. and I was on the 
the the the uh, checkpoint side. So at that time we were going in and we were we were flying and landing a distance away so yeah. we could walk in mm-hmm. and, and, and maintain the element of surprise. Yeah, yeah, surreptitious entries. And and when we were uh, coming in, I remember seeing strafe. It was yep. it was anti aircraft mm-hmm. uh, tracer rounds, and tracer rounds depending on the machine gun or the platform is every other few rounds, yeah. like every other four yeah. rounds. Yeah. Um, but the Dishka rounds were coming at us and I remember my brain I heard the go 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 and, and and I saw the tracer and what was confusing to me is I thought it was the little bird because we had been on targets before the little bird or the direct action penetrate the DAP systems mm-hmm. were dropping munitions and the rounds were skipping up in the yeah, air. Yeah. And so I was like, why are the rounds coming so close to us? <laughs> Not realizing what it was and then the the AH six little bird pilot that was with us peeled off and just annihilated yeah, this. Like, that happened a couple of times. Yeah. Happened later again, like you shoot a heavy machine gun or, or with tracers, tracers work both ways, man. You're, 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 you're giving away. up and then yeah. those pilots are just, they're so good yeah. that you, you've got one burst and then you're I, done. I remember I ran into that same pilot in the chow hall in 2015. Really? Yeah. The oh. same exact pilot. Yeah. And I was like, dude. And I brought it up in just a fraction. Yeah. I was like, do you remember? And he goes, I remember exactly. And he told me the whole thing. He goes, dude, I, I yeah. evaporated these dudes. Yeah. And he was a pilot for another organization. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, wow, man. He remembered yeah. everything. But he was very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was with me. What's weird is he was with me. Uh, he was with us then. He was with me in 2010 in mm-hmm. Afghanistan, and then I saw him again in 2015. That's crazy. He's yeah. a retired CW5. Oh wow, dude! Yeah. And those yeah. A pilots are like, yeah. I mean, they're like, yeah. they're like uh, murdering machines. Yeah, those the, A the pilots. Of fly, flying hours those guys have. Oh, is dude, just it's insane. insane. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's he. The not the greatest analogy was like, it's a flying Ferrari that just deals death. That's yeah. its only job. Yeah, to fly yeah. around like a Ferrari and just deal death. Yeah. And I remember that happened, and we we had a decision point there, which was if we were gonna be compromised. So the idea was, the call was, when we land, are we compromised because we just got into a gunfight and killed six yeah. people, or are we gonna continue mission? And obviously we just continue mission. Mm-hmm. We landed, we rendezvoused, you know, we got together. Well, we were a, we were a, a hellacious fighting force. Yeah. You know what I mean? A whole assault troop, Yeah. plus all that stuff in the air. How many, plus, do, how many guys was that? 20 plus probably over 25 probably right with with the dog Machine handler and, and, and some combo guys and enablers and then we had a pack, attack helicopters we had a specter gunship above us i mean that that i would not want to go against that force right so we were we were emboldened we're like let's just do it let's 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 roll on um so we get we 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 make that movement mm-hmm. and i'm anticipating a gunfight immediately yes and we were in the open we were in the open we were in the open an open yes. wheat field yep yep and how they didn't break out earlier, because you can see on the overhead footage, we were almost in position while as they peeled out of the house. You could see them peel. And I don't know, we were on the same ODA, we we're in the same team. So we got separated on the line a little bit. I'm not even sure how, yeah. but we were in different cells. So one cell got further down towards the, uh, the apex yeah. of the of Well, the they L. had one of our cells yeah. with each apex, yeah. um, with each machine gun team co-located yeah. in the assault force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we were on complete different sides of the objectives. Yeah, and I you, was on the you south talk about east. Uh, you talk about I, I don't think I was carrying a sniper rifle for that, but even even if you sit back, you know you have to people people shoot from their belly a lot. If you went prone to engage that house from further back, you wouldn't see anything because of the high grass, right? You had to stand. So you would have had to stand to engage, which. Um, 
on the right side, there was a massive berm, which on, on imagery looked like a railway line almost. That's when me and Damon ended up on that thing <clears> when the whole thing started. Um, well, I, I get to that in a minute. But as we moved up, on, up towards the apex, that's where you were. And that's where it kicked off. Like at the time I was on the other end, me and Dan were on the high ground, like I said. And as it kicked off and the gunfight started, um, the, uh, it, it rolled for a little while. And you, you can talk your end because it's more exciting than my end. But it rolled for a little while. And I was, I was posted waiting for squirters to run out the back. And I, would, I had a great line on them, but nobody ran. That's another point, right? Normally, they would beat feet out the back and try to make it to the undergrowth and yeah. hide. Because yeah. they used to do that all the time. Nobody ran out the back. And I was like, oh, these boys are here to fight, right? And they had, they had dug-in fighting positions around the house, too. So once the gunfight started and, and, and we started firing, the, um, we took fire from about a click away from another machine gun on a mountain on a truck. And it... The, the tracers went right over me and Damon's heads and we hit the dirt and as I looked up there was a little bird banking in uh, with rockets 2.75 inch rockets and took that truck out like that so he got one burst as well and he was done yeah. and uh, so fast it was super effective um, I, 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 I'm not sure these guys knew who they were dealing with you know <laughs> so but as that gunfight started you were towards the apex on the left side we talked about that piece yeah I remember Matt he was a new guy and he was on the machine gun mm-hmm and then uh, Jason was super aggressive, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was up with Jason and Brian. That's you and that other cell. Yes. And Damon were on the, and Travis yeah. were on the other side. Yeah. I think on that side, Brian initiated the first round. Like Jason identified it and yeah. called it in because yeah. he was a cell leader. Yeah. And Brian took the first shot and then I followed those shots. And then somebody threw a hand grenade. Well, we, we started shooting immediately. Yes. Matt opened up with a machine gun and winded up dropping one dude that we identified on ISR yeah. and the two guys immediately went behind a, bur- a berm. Yeah. And then, um, and we're obviously running night vision goggles and lasers. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah. Right. So I think, I think maybe Brian or Jason was the first one to throw a frag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that whole thing was that happened rapidly where sh- things were yeah. happening fast. Mm-hmm. But at one point we got behind the berm and, um, I threw two M67s, mm-hmm. and the SOP for us was two minimum uh, M67s. Yeah. Before that, I think this was later in the trip, but we were running those, we've posted pictures, those little mini frags. Yes. And that's a whole other story, but those things are super small, and you can throw them into next week. They look week. Cute, cute. They look cute, but they have no effect. None. That old M67 Vietnam era hand grenade has yeah. some scunion attached to <laughs> attach. Yeah. That thing will mess some stuff up. 40 fragmentation yeah, uh, what it breaks into. It's an explosion. And it will yeah. just annihilate yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I, so I threw two M67s behind a berm and I remember I was sitting with one of the new guys and then another new guy that you, that you know. Yeah. And we talked about before. So I threw one M67 over this berm and um, I remember seeing a guy's leg and, and, it, and it blew up. Um, and then this guy... Um, came up on, on me and I took his M67 grenades because yeah. he's a new guy. Yeah. And he's yeah. asking me, hey, yeah. uh, you know, he's asking me I mean, what you, to you do. think about it, a new guy like that, the last time he threw an M67 hand grenade was basic in basic training, training right? <laughs> because it, it was very, that battle was very Vietnam kind of thing. It was in the Palm Grove shooting, throwing hand grenades, shooting, throwing, maneuvering. And he was probably nervous. He was probably hey, like, was. oh man, I, you yeah. know. Um, I stole his frags. And yeah, good, good for you, man. Yeah, hey. It was fun. Um, the uh, yeah, and, well, and you're on your side though. Uh, I can't I can't remember the guy's kid's name. 
but he winded up actually getting shot in yes. the act of yeah, shooting yeah. in Texas. Yeah. I think it was a little later what you're talking about. He hit the truck the with a law, yes. a, a light anti-tank weapon, yeah. a thermobaric one. Yeah. And that, that vehicle was parked in the front. And the part of the intel brief was we they said that they had... Uh, Heavy machine gun and they shot down an American helicopter. Yes. So they did have a heavy machine they gun. Did. We saw it later. They did. But we hit it with a rocket and they, oh my God, it blew the crap, oh crap. out of that thing. Yeah. yeah. And it was in an overhang too. So they must have felt that concussion oh, in yeah. that house. Yeah. So what What we, the, the, the initial kills were machine gun. Uh, I got a guy or two I, on the ISR that I've looked at. It looks like a fragged one dude who's still alive. He was crawling around. Yeah. And the other dude got blown in half. Yeah. And then um, the law happened and, the, and, you know, the things were exploding. Yeah. And I remember th looking at the ISR, this is in hindsight, but at that time we kind of like nine dudes or something pour out of the back yes. end of it. Yeah. But yeah. in formation. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. And, yeah. and they didn't, they didn't peel off at the, at their, what their, what would be their 12 o'clock yeah. and run and escape. They peeled out and, and went into the fight. Yes. And they were yeah. ready for it. So they were probably stacked in the house waiting for us to assault. Oh, and gosh. then when they realized, imagine? well, yeah, they have a machine gun too, mounted at the front door. But <sighs> so when they figured out that we're not coming in, we're gonna we're gonna hammer them from the outside. They're like, we gotta get out and get in the fight, right? And I remember the imagery from the Spectre gunship as they peeled out of the house very, very aggressively. Yes. Right? Coming out to get some. Fighting. Something. Yes, yeah, coming out suicide to fight. Suicide vest, yep. grenades. Yep. Well, we had the pictures from all of them later on. Every single one of them had a suicide vest on, a rack full of magazines, really good boots, really yeah. good clothes, AKs. Ready to like, fight. Ready to fight. Yeah, they were, they were, they were a, a fighting unit. There was, there was like no support guys there. Man. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> at, once that initial contact happened and then was there a deliberate decision not to assault because it's very normal when you get in a gunfight mm. to make a decision base of fire assault element did anybody make that call or did everybody just kind of people say you fall back into your training but which i guess you do um but we, we were like on, on top of our game like almost everybody that unit was really experienced and uh it it, it became very natural, like it wasn't like disorganized or anything, but did anybody say like hold fast or? So the the call that we had on that side, and we later got criticized by the command sergeant major mm -hmm. of the squadron at the time, who said you should have yeah. you should have pushed up containment, right? Okay. But the call we got from the command was back up. Yes. Right. Yeah, because we're going to use the the air one hundred five. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna. Airburst 105s. Well, initially we were oh, yeah, yeah. them in the ground, yes, right? Yes, initially just one barrage. They, so I remember the call came, hey, everybody pull back, we're going to use our air. So we all pull back, maintain containment. We didn't go far. We didn't. Because, and then I remember the 105 punching a couple of rounds through the roof of the building. Yes. But all, they were already out. Yeah. They were already out in their fighting positions at that time. And then the uh, little birds came in on strafing runs, the rockets. But if you look at the imagery, and it's, it's uh, thermal imagery from above, Everything's on fire. It's very hard to see a heat signature of a person yeah. when everything's on fire. Everything. Right? So it, they weren't really... Normally, if somebody runs out and goes into the palm groves and hides, the, the Spectre gunship can hit him with a, an IR beam and we can see it with our nods and we can pinpoint him. They couldn't do that because every grenade explosion, every explosion on the ground... Um, All of our the frags, building, they were misidentifying yeah, as people. They were misidentifying as people because they're just heat. The, the building was on fire at this point. The truck was on fire. Um... So we weren't getting a lot of help or identification from the air at that point. Yeah. 
Um, I think that when, like, my my understanding as I was looking at the target was we are obliterating this yes. target, right? Yeah, it, it looked birds, like that. The noise, like that. Dude, the, I was like, holy yeah. crap. While this was going on further down the line where I was, uh, the handler was there with Vinny, the yeah. dog. You were closer to the objective I was. too. We were further yeah. away. And the dog was jumping up in the Malinois, right? He was jumping up in the air and like squealing. And I was like, what's wrong with your dog? And he's like, he's just excited. He wants to get in. You know, he knows yeah. what's going on. Um, but we hammered that target pretty hard. And it was hard to believe anybody was still alive. Yes. But the, the 105s that hit the ground were hitting soft ground. Punching into punching it. Punching into it and detonating and not having that much effect. Yeah. But your 105 is an artillery round attached yeah. to a cargo plane above head with, with state-of-the-art electronics that can pinpoint target anything. But they were, they were hitting the wrong spots or they're hitting soft ground. So as we re-swept re across the target the second time, they were still there and they were still fighting. Yeah, still alive. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I remember... And I'm not sure this is before or after we decimated the target with air burst rounds, yeah. but I remember casually me and Jason were walking across and shooting guys in the head. Yes. And that he, was the second time after we that pulled was back. It. Yeah. Yes. So the first time we, 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 we hit it with from the air and they, they sunk into the ground. As we swept up again, we're using night vision goggles and lasers that are splashing off the high grass and splashing back at you. you. They weren't helpful. We're blind. So we were pretty blind. And a guy hiding in there, you, you couldn't see him. And as we start swiping across the second time, and again, this is how I remember it. You know how your memory is, is you know, you, you, you fill in gaps. But as we swept across the second time, we took fire. Yes. And we pulled back again. And then the JTAC probably talked to the commander. And told him, look, we need to airbrush these things because they're not being effective. Yes. I assume that's what happened. I wasn't standing there when he told him that. You know? Well, right before that was Vinny. Because we, cause, okay. yeah, because remember, oh, yeah, okay. we committed to decimating yes, it yes. and we didn't want to leave him there. Right. So as we, as we swept up after that first bombardment, yeah. that you want you to tell that piece. Yeah. So me, me it was me and uh, Bobby, me yep. and Rob mm -hmm. were next to each other yeah. and we were in this weird, because the machine gun was providing our su in the support apex. by fire. Yeah. The, in yeah, the apex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as we were um, maneuvering, the, uh, so we're like in twos. And the gunship sparkles an area right in front of me and Rob. Yeah. And and it's probably a few feet in front of yeah. us. It's probably 10 feet in front of us. And I, I remember lifting my gun and like looking at Rob and basically giving the acknowledgement that I'm going to start shooting. And he's like, you know, he basically runs next to me. And he's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, don't shoot. Because if you shoot, you know, you're going to give away your position, mm -hmm. which, is, which is the right answer. It's actually... Ta a tactical error on my part, which is, you know, you should, should have had Molotov cocktails, man. You yeah. Just launched them I in know. there. <laughs> a flamethrower. <laughs> so, um, as I'm standing there, I, 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 we acknowledge that we're going to back off. So we back off and we tell Will, Hey, this is the situation. And he goes, stand by, I'm going to bring Vinny. And so his handler, they come all the way around. Yeah, and we're mm -hmm. waiting, and I'm I'm impatient. To yeah, it. yeah. I, I remember that, thinking, but, that, but that's 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 the difference between professionals and like uh, young guys who want to get in. There, there's a time for tactical patience, and there's a time also. Like I was on, we had that L-shaped line, and we we maintained like the 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 uh, the, 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 the thought process is everybody goes to the fight. 
But that's the fight you know. There, as, along that whole line, there's other fights that you haven't engaged yet. So you need to maintain Take, your, your yeah, interview. Cover your sector. Mean, yeah, cover your sector and stay disciplined and let the, those boys on the left side take care of business, right? While we're focused here. So, But it's very, very, um, you know, the, the, the natural instinct is to run to the gunfight and get involved. But you have to stay in your lane and stay. And you see that in the infantry. I remember, see, remember that? They're sweeping across the objective. And they and, start and they merging. They all merge on one guy. Yeah, yeah. On the target. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the dog handler pulls up and he says to me and Rob, and I think Will was co-located yeah. and he says, Hey, I'm going to send him out. And, and I remember he, you know, Vinny was a very aggressive, but very, um, much a controlled dog. Yeah. Like we had dogs that were just insane, mm-hmm. but Vinny wasn't that mm-hmm. guy. Like Vinny was the guy came back and you could pet him and yeah. he was like a house pet. No, but he could, yeah. He, he was like, <laughs> you're Vinny. He could switch it on. And so he went forward and he w- we were probably backed off about 15, 20 meters and he started moving around and we could only see him kind of moving through the reeds because it was high. Yeah. It was almost it his was level. Very high. Yeah. You could see his tail. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at his handler and saying, hey man, look, it, like we gave it enough time. Let's, I was being impatient. Yeah. He goes, no, 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 no. Um, let it hit. He's got something. You can see it on the ISR footage. Yeah. You can see a heat signal. It's very hard to make out, but you can see the dog sweeping and doing patterns. Yes. And he passes him. And obviously the wind blew and yes. he caught the scent and leapt in yes. on him. You can see that pretty clearly. I, I'll never forget. I get chills thinking about it right now, but he, he like pounced like a fox. Yeah. And he jumped and he pounced. And I, 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 I have... There's something I had, I ha- actually have an audible recording of it, of the helmet cam footage oh, yeah. that Rob had on. Mm. And and you could only hear, because it's dark. Yeah. And it's, you, you hear a shot, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming is him either shooting with a pistol yeah. or a or an AK, one round, before you hear an explosion. Yeah. So it's like, pop, yeah. boom. And then you hear Vinny cry. Yeah. And yeah. I remember feeling shrap or, or like sensing shrapnel because it was like kind of like a mm-hmm. like a, a concussion cuff. yeah concussion yeah. Mm-hmm. and then going oh crap and then i heard vinny and me and rob like rob like we immediately looked at each other in affirmation like are we good let's go mm-hmm. and then we, we started moving and oh, i can't say his name yeah but the handler grabbed yeah. both yeah. of us by our kit both yeah. of us yeah and ripped us back that was, like, that was good, like good good presence of mind to him because he i remember and I, i'm Oh. I remember him screaming, Vinny, and you could hear the tears. Oh, in it. And, yeah. Oh, man, I freaking... Dude, it's this, hard. This, 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 more than, like, all the freaking shit I've done in my life, this story almost brings me to tears it every does. single time. It yeah. does, because I remember that, him, yeah. his the, voice the, cracking. Oh, it did, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wanted... And he knew what oh. happened, yeah, he knew, yeah. And, and it drove me, it still bothers me today, like, mm-hmm. that we couldn't move forward, because I always wonder if, like, because... You know, I'll get to that point, but mm-hmm. it, I, I just, we wanted to do something about it. Yeah. So the decision, the command decision, this was a bigger, yes. I, we found out later it was a command decision. Yeah. You will pull back all forces. Yeah. And we we dropped, we airburst. We airburst 105. Which means mm-hmm. you have a, a, a broader standoff. Yes. But we didn't want to lose containment. Yes. So we, we, we got cleared to do danger close. Yeah. Which I remember it was like a couple, we were only a couple hundred meters yeah. away. So instead of, instead of punching neurons into the ground, they have a proximity fuse. So they're like six feet off the ground. They detonated head height and they decimated anything within that airburst. Yeah. And that was the right call. I mean, that's how we, we really regained the initiative because it's much harder to assault a, a fortified target than it is to defend. Yeah. I mean, all they had to do is sit there and wait and pick us off. Um, so that, that was the right call in hindsight, right? 
I, I remember me and Jason M. Um, we were on the the ditch side. There's a canal that went yeah. north to south. Yeah. And we went into that canal. And I remember we were thinking, hey, if we're set up in the canal and anybody comes down the canal to squirt out, yeah. we'll, we'll be able to kill them yeah. first. Yeah. We got in the canal. The, 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 I remember thinking, oh crap, this is going to be close. Like yeah. this is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. So it started air bursting and I heard like cracks and snaps and I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, the shrapnel is so close. Later, we found out that, cause we, me and Jason were like, dude, this doesn't sound, like, we both were hearing snaps and cracks. Mm-hmm. We both collectively decided to get out of the ditch and get up on the ground and, mm-hmm. t- and, and lay our heads in the ground. When we went back to the ISR footage, you can't see the heat, but you could see a flash of light in the canal mm. where there's a dude who's still alive shooting down the canal oh, yeah, while yeah. me and him are on the the left and right side pinned against the yeah, canal. like an alleyway. Well, this dude is like shooting down yeah, the middle of it yeah, and we're like, yeah, yeah. what's that noise? And then th- there's a there's a line of 105s, they drop down the canal mm-hmm. on their side and they decimate that whole yeah, side of the target. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's when we get to the point where we're like, hey, we need to do BDA. Yep. And we start it off online mm-hmm. and, and I remember how very methodical it yes. was. And it was walking in your lane and yes. smoking dudes. Yeah. Headshots because yeah. the vests on, yep. smoking dudes on the ground as we swept across the objective. Yeah. Yep. I remember I shot three or four dudes in the head. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jason saw a dude and he dumped a whole like half a mag into him. Yeah. And I was like, Jason, they have vests on. <laughs> and I remember telling him like, dude, don't like cause he he was like, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want people to think that Jason was a freaking, Jason was a warrior man. Oh, who, 100%. Who, who was the coolest guy in a gunfight you ever met. Well, we had, we, at that yeah. point, we hadn't identified that they had vests. No, yeah, but yeah. we came across yeah. two guys mm-hmm. on my side mm. that had vests, and I was like, yeah. oh my and, God. And hindsight, they all had. I think every Dude. photo guy, graphic I got, everyone all had, yeah. Um, so we sweep up to the house. Um, we make sure everybody's dead. We we maneuver up. I remember <laughs> I went up to the window and I looked in where all the bedding was and stuff. And there was that one of those little crank off or whatever they call it, little short AK forty seven yeah. hanging in the window. Yep. I still and got I was a picture. Like, I was like, oh, I want to grab that, but it could be booby trapped. I'm not touching it, you know. Yeah. Um, but then we did battle damage assessment. We photographed everything. We documented everything. We searched them. Uh, some of them were pretty messed up. We pulled out all the intel from them. Um, EOD stacked them. Yes. They drug them and stacked them. Yeah. And then who retrieved Vinny's body? So it it was behind us. Yes. Yeah. But I was actually surprised when we got Vinny that he wasn't. Did you retrieve the body? Did you go with him? No, no, no. When they found him. Oh, yeah. I helped pick him up. Yes. Once they found him. So they they marked him. Yeah. And then uh, we brought a Skedco over. Yep. And it was either my flag or Jason's flag. Yeah, yeah. That we pull off and then put on on top of him. Because I remember Jason used to carry one. Yeah. And and, and I don't think it was mine. I I I can't remember which one. It might have been Jason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so Skedco is a stretcher. Yeah. We put the dog in the stretcher. We cover him in the U.S. flag. And then we wait for Exfil. We wait for the helicopters to come get us. Um, and we pull off not that far. Um, birds come in, land, we, 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 we load the bird. And I remember sitting in the bird. I was in the rear right. You were in front of me. And then yeah. Vinny's body was in front on, on the stretcher on the right back. And everybody's just quiet. Everybody's just quiet on the right back. But, you know, we, the, the fact in that gunfight, we didn't lose anybody except the dog. Yeah. was miraculous. Like, it really was. I, I remember the... 160th that we flew with who are the best aviators in the, in the planet, yeah. man. Um, 
I can't, man, those guys are freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't like flying it during the daylight because mm-hmm. they lose a lot of, they yep. get shot down in the daylight. Yeah, they lose the initiative. They're, they're, yeah. They do. And, and we napped the earth on the way back. I remember how low we were yeah. to the, to this extent we were flying below power lines because yeah. we were raising before the lines. Mm-hmm. And I remember like thinking, Oh my gosh, like, are we going to hit a power? Like, because yeah. we were going above and yeah. then below, they're above so good, and below, yeah. but they're so good. Right. Yeah. And, and then on the way back, they drop. 500 pound bomb on a house or two yeah, 500 they drop pound. They dams. Yeah. yeah. They just, they just obliterated that house. Evaporated. It's a safe house for, for foreign fighters. So one, one thing that sticks in my mind and I shared with uh, Eddie Penny was when we were, so at MSS Fernandez, which is our base, when we used to fly into that base, 160, it doesn't land helicopters in a, in a, in a rotation and in, in an elevator. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't rotate yeah. and then yeah. land. They land them like helicopter or yeah. like planes. Yeah. yeah. So they come in with a fast approach. Yep. They, they skid the rear end and then they drop mm-hmm. the front end. And then they drive right up the door and drop you off. They drop like you taxi. off. They taxi. They taxi. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember looking down and uh, we were banking in and I remember seeing all these kids with their styrofoam chow hall plates yeah, because, yeah. you know, it, people, for people to understand this, when you're in the regular military, you don't fight a war outside the wire. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're po- Nin- the postal like service. Something like ni- at least 90% of the people that are in Iraq never leave the wire. Yeah. They do the same job they do in Fort, Bren- Fort Benning, Fort Bragg, in an air conditioned building, behind the desk, and they're vital to the war effort. Yes. But they don't actually go outside the wire and fight. Yeah. yeah. And I remember, uh, so they're coming out in their clean physical training mm-hmm. uniforms mm-hmm. And, and uniforms. And they have the styrofoam plates and they're coming outside the chow hall. And I remember looking down and in between my legs, because, you know, when we're traversing and yeah. angling into mm-hmm. the approach, you're, you're basically looking through the, the helicopter, yeah. looking down. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing their faces like looking up mm-hmm. and I had blood on my boots mm-hmm. from bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, like, man, like, what do they think when they look up and they go? Oh, that's the guys who fight the war. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it wasn't like an ego thing, but it was like a, it was like a, a, a really solid moment in my life where I realized there, there are, there's a difference and there's a whole shadow organization mm. of human beings that go out every single night yep. and that's the experience they live. Yeah. And then they have this experience of this, this, I know. full of in omelets. In the show home, the gym. And yeah. And I, I always thought it was funny that we all got the same combat pay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it should be yeah. tiered. It really should yeah. be tiered. Like, but uh, talk, yeah, talk uh, when we land. Yeah, so when we land, uh, we land the we all get off, and now you're talking some of the most experienced operators in the world, Delta, British SAS, us, right? And we get off, and I don't know who initiated it, but I remember Eli was the first one to salute. So we we the bird basically as we were getting the body that the dog's body off the bird, which was still on the stretcher with the American flag, we made two lines coming off the bird. And they carried the dog right down through the middle of the lines and everybody came to attention and saluted. And I remember Eli doing it first and then everybody saluted. And that was a tear jerk moment right there, man. It was- Because everybody in the task force was yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so so years later, I was at uh, the Airborne Special Operations Museum with my wife and my kids. And- You texted me when you were there. I did, I took yeah. a picture of it. So I, uh, I was on the phone and my dark moment said, there's a memorial over there for dogs that were killed. And I said, is there, see, I'm tearing up now, man. It's freaking, yeah. is there a dog called Vinny there? And uh, she said, I don't know. And I went over and I saw it. And then I'd ne- I never told my family anything about war. I just didn't want to bring them into that world. So I told them that story. I had tears running out of my eyes. It was so emotional. 
Uh, and it still is today. Like yeah. uh, with all the shit we've seen, I don't know what it is about that. That uh, like we've both put pe- people in helicopters and you know put dressed them and, and and who've died, you know. But something about that, maybe I just I don't talk about that stuff. But talking about this mission and. Uh, the way it went and, and because of the dog is super emotional for me. I don't know why, but I told her that whole story. I told them that whole story and then I took a picture and I texted it to you. It was like, it's like 2014 or 15 or something like that probably. Yeah. Right? But there's a memorial in Fort Bragg, in not Fort Bragg, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, in the Airborne and Special Operations Museum. And it's on both on my page and your page on Instagram. And it, it's dedicated to all the dogs that have died in, in service um, in the war on terror. And, and it, it's... Uh, yeah, it, 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 they're badass dogs, man. They're so well-trained and they're so, um, I mean, they're, they're just Malinois. And that's why I have a Malinois. So when I got out, I, I had a chance to get a, a service dog, a Belgian Malinois, and I named him Vinny. And uh, yeah, I, I, he's, they're, they're an awesome breed. Yeah, I, I actually named my dog when I got back. I remember, off that I remember, Vinny. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was one of the best dogs I've ever had, by the way. Um, yeah. Uh, subsequently after that, I wound up talking to the, the handler and then, um, talk to him about the whole experience. And yeah. he, um, these handlers, n- not just the dog sacrifice so much. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that's really unique about that dog and that capability is the handler is always putting himself in front of the entire troop mm-hmm. squadron, yep. the, the unit, mm-hmm. Uh, because they're leading that way. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, later in the rotation in Afghanistan, we we lost a dog uh, that was shot two times with an armor-piercing AK-47 rounds from a bad guy hiding in the reeds, punched through his American flag patch, Mm. which is crazy, Mm. Um, punched through uh, the operator's weapon system like a laser beam, went through the magazine on his plate carrier and then lodged in his body armor. If it wasn't for the dog, wasn't for the four four sixteen in front yeah. of him, he and it just like skimmed his finger. Yeah. Uh, he'd surely be dead. And and these dogs, in a lot of cases and a lot of stories, have, have sacrificed their lives uh, and their handlers as have as well. Mm. Um, one of the cool things um, that uh, like an initiative that I want to support is supporting these organizations that help these dogs get back to a transition of living a normal life. Mm. In Vietnam, they put down all those dogs. Yeah, yeah. They didn't come home. Yeah. Um, the, the PTSD for them was they were feral dogs now. They're wild and, and dangerous. Mm. And they just put them down. Mm. And what we're trying to do with a lot of these dogs is rehabilitate them as they should be rehabilitated because mm. they serve their countries. Uh, they're not just animals. Mm. And um, when, when you look at these organizations that are giving back, all the money that we're trying to raise and and doing the some of the things that we're doing are to help these causes and that mm-hmm. and that's one of the the big things that we're pushing for. Um, yeah, I, you know, you said it a while ago. Like when when I came on board first, you're like, look, when when like when you were growing up and I was growing up, we listened to war stories about Vietnam and all that, and uh, it's now our job to tell those stories so they're not lost forever. You know. Yeah. So I I think we should probably do this more often because we've got a ton of stories. Yeah. Um. But it sometimes it's it's uh, it's hard to pull those memories out, you know. But um, one yeah. one of the things I'm going to do is there's a an artist um, by the name of uh, J M Artworks, and it's uh, on Instagram. It's at J Mart Works dot Studio. So it's J M A R T 
works with an E dot studio. That's J Mart works dot studio. And again, works is with an E W E R K S. And what she did is she painted basically a depiction of Vinny. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, at one of our events, um, I'm going to auction that off and then take all the proceeds and give mm-hmm. it to, uh, one of the organizations that's helping with these, uh, uh, helping these dogs. Mm, can, um, she, can she make two? So we have one in here. I know uh, she will. She will. <laughs> yeah. I've talked, actually talked to her about that. One of the, one of the things uh, that she's going to do is um, uh, I think she's donating that, or even if we're paying for it, it's, it's not a big deal. We'll do that. Um, but when we get that and donate it, um, we're going to post all of this stuff around stories of survival. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about this again in a video format. Mm. We'll try to tie in some of the education of maybe in the ISR footage that we have uh, or communicating maybe still shots of that. We will have to redact any, any, redact it. But all of this is bringing education to not classify TTPs, but Mm -hmm. the sacrifice that these dogs have made. And then an understanding for people who don't understand what kind of sacrifices are being made by these animals, uh, by these, by these dogs. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. You got anything? No, I'm done. All right, man. Spent it. Yeah, I know. Okay. All right, later.